Welcome back to the Mason Jar here on the Cersei Institute Podcast Network. I'm David Kern, and I am joined, as always, by Cindy Rollins. Cindy, how's it going? It's going very well. We are here to discuss uh, Charlotte Mason and all things Charlotte Mason adjacent. <laughs> um, and this week's uh, topic is going to be uh, using or Bible reading in the home, I guess, and in the home school. Um, and I know you have much to say about that. You've spoken about it before. And um, I was, you, Cindy actually mentioned this question, and I was glad she did because it's something I've been thinking about myself. So I have, I might have some follow-up questions for, for you. Um, before we dive into that though, I just need to say a quick word from Christendom College, who is our sponsor this month. It's a Catholic liberal arts college offering a time-tested and rig- rigorous education. Their core 86 credit liberal arts curriculum is provided under the mentorship of committed faculty and complemented by a culture of personal attention, helping each student discern and develop his or her academic and vocational goals. The college's main Front Royal Virginia campus overlooks the Shenandoah River with scenic views of the neighboring Blue Ridge Mountains. Christendom also offers classes in Alexandria, Virginia, as well as abroad in Donegal, Ireland, and Rome, where students can earn BA degrees in the classics, English, history, philosophy, mathematics, political science, and economics, and theology, as well as MA degrees in theological studies. Students from the homeschool community find Christendom a welcome college home and make up 60% of their enrollment. That's a wow, that's a big number. For more information, visit the Christendom College website at www.christendom.edu. Who wouldn't want to go to college in Ireland? Yeah, or Rome. <laughs> yeah, Rome. That is awesome. Donegal, Ireland. I assume I'm pronouncing that wrong. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. It sounds right to me. We'll go with it. We'll go with yeah. it. Um, okay, so so Bible reading in the home. Now, when you think about this this concept in terms of what you were thinking about when, when you mentioned that we should talk about it. Do you, are you discerning between the idea of like Bible reading and Bible study? Yeah, I guess, I, well, in a way, um, yeah, yes, I am. Because I'm really talking about Bible reading in the home because I think that Bible study is something that we do a little bit more rare, is, should, is more rare for our, uh, on our time. Wow, that is awkward. But anyway, we we spend more time, we should be spending more time on just regular, consistent Bible reading. And then Bible study might be something that um, we add on when we have time, but it might not be something that is important for us to do every single day Mm. and um, all the time. Bible study can be an add on, whereas Bible reading should just be a part of our everyday life. Like the habit of sort of contemplative reading. Yeah, I mean that's. I mean, if you want to call, I hate to call it devotional reading because people, you know, we all that word has gotten a bad rap lately. But um, yes, I I just think that most of our Bible reading is going to be devotional in nature or contemplative. Um, Mm. Some of our Bible reading will be intense study with our, you know, concordance and all the our books that we have around the house out and commentaries. But that's pretty rare, and that and. I mean, for some of us, it's not going to be as rare as for others. There are many, you know, families that the husband or the wife are in seminary, and obviously those people are going to be doing a lot of deep Bible study. And, and there are groups that have Bible studies. There's book clubs that have more intense Bible study. But none of that right. is really what we're doing on a daily basis with our families. And right. I think um, there's a time and a place to have a Bible curriculum 
with children just so that maybe they learn some categories and and some big ideas that are going on in the Bible. But but really the heart and soul of our interaction with the Bible is kind of organic and and should be natural and should be just a part of every single day. On the one hand, it should be organic and natural and part of every day. And on the other hand, it, you don't want to supplement it with, um, if, if we're going by what Charlotte Mason says, you know, we don't want to overteach it either. We want to present it, um, and we, but we don't want to um, color it too much with our own perceptions and ideas because um, there's a couple concepts that can happen with um, Bible reading, and, and Charlotte Mason covers those very well. The one is that we're trying, uh, our children get the message that this is, their, their morality does not come from God through the power of the Holy Spirit, but their their morality comes from the Bible, and do this, do, don't do that, and, and that's kind of a dangerous um, switch to make, um, where um, well, here, I'll, I'll read her quote here on this being good. She says, again, the knowledge of God is distinct from morality, or what the children call being good, though being good follows from that knowledge. But let these come in their right order. Do not be preached the child to weariness about being good as what he owes to God, without letting in upon him first a little of that knowledge which will make him good. We are no longer suffering from an embarrassment of riches. These limitations shut out so much of ordinary teaching about divine things that the question becomes rather, what shall we teach or how shall we choose? Um, so so she, she speaks earlier in this passage about um, how, how we use Bible stories as morality tales and um, we, we push on our students, what we want them to get out of the story rather than letting the Bible speak for itself. And she says this, it would be well if the reticence of the Bible were observed by the writers of children's books. So she says the Bible holds back a little bit but, and doesn't overdo, you know, and so we should yeah, hold back a little bit and not overdo it. It's almost like, when, when we're talking about the Bible or, or reading it with our kids, that we don't really believe that it's powerful, like that it can do yeah, it, it yes, because, of exactly. it, because of its nature, it, it can work in their lives without us having to draw their attention to every little thing. Yeah, I mean, it, it really does. It, and then they pick up kind of that fear, like our fear that they're not going to be good. And I say this, obviously, from experience. I did that with my kids. You know, I wanted the best for them. So I, I was very nervous about the Bible reading, I wanted to make sure they got it. And I wanted to make sure I brought the point home. And um, that just was not the way to build faith in a child. And I've, and I, with my last child here, I've tried not to do that as much. I'm a slow learner. And, <laughs> and I've mentioned this before in other areas with this child, where I step back more and more with this child. I'm still his mother. I'm still, I'm still trying to, you know, mold or, or present him, mold is the bad word, but present him with um, truth, goodness, and beauty. But yeah. I'm doing it 
um, as a presentation, he's welcome mm. to eat of what he wants. I'm not going to cram it down his throat. Mm. And I have found that to be very effective. And even with the Bible, uh, now I will say this, I have paired that with much prayer. I pray, you know, whenever I get fearful, instead of telling him, oh, I'm afraid you're not, are you sure that's the right thing to do? Or you are, do you want to go to that? Or, you know, is that music really what you want to be listening to? Um, instead of confronting him like I would have maybe and made a spiritual issue out of something that might not really be a spiritual issue, mm. um, I, I've learned to just um, pray and let God bring people into his life and the Holy Spirit because he is a baptized Christian. Um, let them do their work, you know, let God do the work in his life. And that's gone I've been pleasantly surprised at how well that's gone. <laughs> it it wasn't all up to me. I thought it was, and apparently it was not. Do you think that it's parents? Now I've got younger kids, so for me, it's yeah, a different perspective, I suppose, about this. But do you think that parents of older children, middle school, high school, and so forth, um, tend to? You said you call it over spiritualizing issues. I think. Like, yeah. Do you think that when that there's that's a pretty common tendency to, um, to take something when our kids do something wrong or they make some kind of mistake or they're they have some bad habit that they're not breaking, that we we kind of over spiritualize that and you know start making them feel like oh what's wrong with me? Yeah, I definitely think we do that. I think I think we that's just fear. It's fear that we're not in control. And sometimes we do see things that are taking them down a path that maybe is not the best best path, but they they also can take a couple steps and and maybe like cut their foot on a piece of glass or something and then realize that isn't the right path. And mm-hmm. now they're going to be way stronger. You know, this week something happened in our family where somebody, I'm trying to say this without, you know, being personal, but someone did, someone um, had an accident and it was a stupid, you know, something that, that would have been been better. Yes. Could have been avoided. And at the same time, you know, so my job wasn't to come in now. I'm mom. Oh my goodness. Why you knew better than that. Why did you do that? Because that person, all that, was there. They knew that. I didn't have to say it. Now I know that. I did they didn't they weren't gonna miss that lesson if I said it. In fact, if I had come in and if I come in saying that stuff, then what that person is immediately gonna do is start making excuses in their mind and defending themselves. And then what I saw by not doing that was a great humility on the part of the person and, and an and an ability to say wow, I made a horrible mistake. I did something wrong rather than, you know, well, you know, it wasn't my fault. It was somebody else's fault. It does seem like, so. it, it does seem like as parents, it's very easy for us to put our kids in a position where they feel like their natural instinct is to kind of be defensive. Like when you trap an animal in the corner mm-hmm. or something like that. Um, not necessarily, yes. <laughs> I mean, sometimes it could be a pride issue or whatever, but there's also just you know, you might, they might be recognizing something in themselves, but as soon as you start to be aggressive about it, how, I mean, it makes sense that they would kind of get defensive and 
back and none of this means that we don't teach them or like especially when they're little and stuff you have more you can say more you're you you have a platform um it's just knowing how to you know quietly move to the background as they get older and letting you know uh, you know it's one thing for you to say to your little boys oh you're a mighty man of valor but I've heard people say that about their 20 year olds. Oh, he's a mighty man of valor. And at that point it becomes a little silly and ridiculous. And I feel like they're hindering their child from growing up. I mean, yes, you know, we want them to be mighty men of valor, but there's just something inane about saying that to a 20 year old and not a a seven year old. Yet we do it all the time because we don't realize that um, the damage we're doing by, you know, by, by thinking that we are, we have some control over, over something which we don't really have control over, Hmm. which is their soul. (laughs) Yeah. Well, let's, um, let's take a quick step back because as far as, you know, some of the, I don't know, best practices or habits or, or, or how to make Bible reading a habit in your home. Um, can we start with the younger years and then kind of you can kind of explain how that might evolve over the time? So let's say, I don't know, let's let's just use my house as an example. Um, yeah. So I've got you know little kids. We're in that kind of like kindergarten, first, second grade range. Um, also have a baby and one on the way. So all those different things that I think a lot of families that are listening. Oh wait a minute! I didn't know about the one on the way. You didn't know about that? No. Yeah, we got. I a, missed that. When's that baby due? That little this, this November. Oh, this November? Yeah, soon. Did I miss that? Are you well, kidding? Well, I mean, we haven't, I don't know. It's the fourth one. So we haven't really been, you know, <laughs> yeah. talking about it as much. We're having a girl though, so. Okay. Oh, you're having a girl. Oh, yeah. how exciting. We that is really nice. Yeah. Yes. So, okay, so anyway. Now you can finish. Now you're done. As so many people would <laughs> and say. And everyone would say, yeah. Um, <laughs> okay, so let's just, I think a lot of people are probably in a similar situation as me with the yeah. other kids and then just a lot going on. So. You know, there's a lot of different factors that go into this and how hard it is to keep habits in, in a home that has a lot of different things going on. So in my situation, or if you were me or my wife, how would you build Bible into the home? Are there some specific tips or advice that you would give for that? Yeah. I mean, the first thing I would do every morning, first of all, if they see you reading your Bible, that's really good. Um, that's one of the big problems with the, the using our our devices because then they don't actually mm-hmm. see us reading the Bible. Um, sometimes it might just be good to just read from the Bible, or you might just slowly in passing mention that you're reading from the Bible. But I was reading on, this morning in, in my Bible. Phone, yeah, <laughs> uh, because otherwise, you know, you're, are you playing a game on your phone? Are you reading yeah, the Bible on the true. phone? Are you, that's you know, true. they don't really know. And and most of the time, you're not reading your Bible on the phone. Sure. So most of the time, right. we're playing games. Yes, that's right. Or reading or reading Facebook. Yes. So, so there's the, there's that problem that we don't have that old timey example that, that, that really spoke. That's how I learned to read the Bible. My parents read the Bible every day, each of them sitting in their chair, you know, somewhere sometime during the day. And I always saw them doing that. So when I became an adult, nobody said to me, you have to have your devotions or read your Bible every day. But to somehow it, it was, I'm, I became aware that that's what adults do because my parents had done that. So I immediately started my own routine of doing that when I was all grown up at 18. You know, I, I and I had been reading my Bible 
when I was 16, 17, but when I got to be 18, you know, and I was married, now I had my own home. And uh, of course, I'm going to wake up every morning and do what adults do, buy Pepsi and read the Bible. (laughs) But, but that, so that was a good example. But so what I did when I had my guys is the minute they were, besides the fact that when they woke up, we read the Bible in morning time, is I always had them the minute they woke up, they made their bed. The first thing required of everyone over a long, 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 long period of time was that they read their Bibles. Now, if they were three years old, I would just give them a little picture Bible and yeah, say, yeah. you know, just look at the every morning when you get up out of bed, you you pick this up and you 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 look at it for a few minutes. And, so did, and would that look they, like they would just have, they would just do that in their room or would you have? Them yeah, in, usually in, they did that in their room. And so then when they would come to morning time, because... Because if you, one of the things I mention a lot is if you don't inspect what you expect, um, then it will not happen. Hmm. Pretty much every day at morning time, I asked who who ha- who read their Bible this morning. Does anybody have anything they'd like to share from their Bible reading? Hmm. And usually you- it was the same person like to share. And every morning, there everybody else was like, "Oh, is he really going to share again?" <laughs> <laughs> did uh, did you find that? They were, for the most part, that they actually. I mean, well, how, well, how much were you having them read? Um, I just said they had to read a chapter. Okay. I mean, when, when they got to the point where they were actually readers, if they were just little, like, and they couldn't read well, they would just sit there and read whatever they could. Yeah, and I didn't yeah. even tell them what to read. But um, as they got older, then um, the the idea was you read some chapter in the Bible, you know, you pick. I suggest this or I suggest that, but you can pick whatever you want and you read. A chapter in the Bible. So maybe every we go around the room and everybody say what they read that morning in the Bible or, or what chapter they read. They didn't have to say what they got out of it or what spoke to them, but yeah. they might just say, I read Luke, I read Revelation, I read, you know, Genesis. Um, and, and we would do that to keep it, keep them accountable. But in that way, um, that just becomes the number one habit that we want to instill from a very young age hmm. and um, it worked well. Did you ever do like rewards for Bible reading? No, I would never have done that. <laughs> so um, I'm not a reward person. Um, even now um, I just, um, yeah, I, if the only reward thing I ever did with my kids was um, p- the p- book at program program and um for pizza hut and, oh yeah 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 but that was a way to get free pizza for our large family so it was and, practical yes the, um the reason i ask is because i remember when we were probably 10 11 12 something like that my dad told us that if we i'm trying to remember what the reward was but if we read the whole bible over the course of a year he would give us i think he said he would give us month like 25 bucks or something yeah and it was one of the, it was like it was a big goal i remember being like i'm never gonna be able to do that and we so it was the we had to read the whole bible I think. right i um, actually think that's a good idea for 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 something like that you know a huge not a daily thing but right right you yeah. know a big accomplishment yeah because then you're showing them that you know we know that this is a challenging thing this is going to take some effort on your part and so we're going to reward you in kind because we believe because i've noticed that a lot of people read the bible very few people read it over through through from cover to cover yeah Um, yeah. you know so i think that's a really good 
idea uh, at least just once just once for each person you know yeah, you might yeah. say not like every okay time. you're you're 12 or you're 13 or 14 now you can read through the whole bible um if you can do that this year then uh, we did I, I take that back about rewards we had a thing when they first started reading um, when they got their first hundred books when they completed mm. reading a hundred books we gave them a big reward um like one time it was an airplane ride um with a oh, little wow. airplane that somebody had that we knew and what i forget what some of the other things were but um and and that started with the from the very first bob book to you know and by the time you get 100 books you're you know it might have been charlotte webb as the last book or the hardy boys yeah or so, usually <laughs> it was a picture book because they tore through those picture books but yeah yeah, yeah. Okay, so you do it, you have them read in the morning, then you do it in morning time. And when you read in morning time, I mean, you've talked about this elsewhere, but can you just summarize quickly kind of how you would use Bible, the Bible in the morning time? Yeah, and that would be very much like Charlotte Mason is saying here. Um, you would just read the word. Um, everybody would pay attention. That was the one time. Um, how much? How much did time, you read? Um, like I usually had a plan and I would just be reading. I, a lot of times I was reading through the Bible with the kids. So okay. generally I would read one chapter. Now, okay. sometimes when I didn't have a plan and I wasn't reading through the Bible, we would just read Proverbs. So that mm-hmm. would be one chapter. Some of Proverbs are kind of long. Yeah. A couple, a couple of the chapters you could just read. It really doesn't matter. You don't have to read a whole chapter. You could just read a half a chapter or, you know, 10 verses, but it's just, it's better. And as a matter of fact, one of the points I make about um, personal Bible reading is, uh, I don't know if you want to get off on that subject yet, but I'll wait on that. You can can bring it up. Okay. Well, one of the things I do in my speaking now uh, a lot is that I have um, people turn to John 1 and ask them to start reading and I start a timer and we time it for one minute. Generally speaking, in one minute's time, most people can read from 15 to 20 verses of the Bible. And I break that Hmm. down. Um, there, I think there's like 127,000, I have this written somewhere and I didn't bring it today, but there's 127,000, um, verses in the Bible. And basically if you only read for one minute a day, you could get through the whole Bible in four years. And if you, in your whole life, (laughs) yeah. Yeah. So I don't like people, most people feel like they don't have time to, you know, the Bible seems like a really hard book and you, yeah. It's easy to put off, but really you only need a minute a day. Um, and if you read two minutes a day, you, you know, you could read the Bible in two years and, and hmm. on through so, that. So it takes, if you read it for four minutes a day, the average person would read the Bible in a year. Yeah, exactly. So, you know, I was thinking about this the other day <laughs> because um, when you, I, I think sometimes when I think about, like reading the Bible. I, I think about it in terms of, I don't know why exactly I think about it like this, but like <laughs> that there's something is supposed to happen or I'm supposed to get something out of it every time. Yes. yes. And sometimes like that feels like that feels like a weight. There's an ex, there's like a, an expectation or a weight of or something that makes me feel a little bit like it's like work or it just makes me feel, I mean, not, not always, obviously, but yeah, sometimes it makes me yeah. feel like, Oh, like all right, here we go. I'm supposed to do this, and and there is something valuable about just doing it because we're supposed to, and having that habit, and yeah, doing the right thing. But also sometimes because I feel like 
you know, you're supposed to have some kind of revelation or something big is supposed to come out yeah. of it. I'm supposed to notice something profound every time I read it. It feels like it can be overwhelming in some ways. Yeah. And, I think that's and the, the word, and, overwhelming. Yeah. And you don't have to, and I always say that you don't have to feel anything. You don't have to journal it. You don't have to, you know, take a picture of it for Instagram. All you have to do <laughs> is read the Bible. It's not your uh, food. Yeah, <laughs> that's right. Um, so, so, but there is that expectation. But the thing about the Bible reading is that if you're reading it all the time, then it becomes inside of you. It, it's living and active and it's doing a work in you, whether you know it or not. You don't even have to be aware of it. And, and it will do that all the time. It will, it won't be just when you're reading it, but God, you know, it will come to mind um, all all the time when you need it, because that's how the Holy Spirit uses it in our lives. So you're really just giving yourself um, future future ammunition for the Holy Spirit to use, and you don't even have to have, need it or use it the day you're reading it. Hmm. What do you think of, uh, I mean, do you use Bible reading plans? Do you follow a lectionary, anything like that? I, I like Bible reading plans. I use, um, right now, I, I, I go back and forth reading through the Bible, either using the um, McChain reading plan, which um, is on the uh, version Bible. Um, it's old. Uh, it's an old, uh, like, 19th century um, guy, Robert McMurray, Murray, either McMurray. I think it's Robert Murray McChain. He was a Scottish guy, and he has a way to get through the Bible in a year. And it's like Old Testament, New Testament, Old Testament, New Testament. As mm-hmm. far as four, you usually read about four chapters a day. Um, that's to get through the Bible in a year. And I usually go back and forth between that plan and uh, ESV plan. But there's, but there's all kinds of plans you can use for Bible reading. One, one super simple way if you want to read through the whole Bible, and 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 if you if you think about this, this is reading the whole Bible in a year. But you can break this down to less than that. But if you read three chapters in the old and two chapters in the new every day, you would get through the Old Testament once a year and you would get through the New Testament twice a year. And so it's three and two. Yeah. And that I found, you know, that was when I was 18. I found that in the um, Halley's or Haley's Bible handbook. I don't, I'm not sure whether it's Haley or Halley. But um, the other thing you can do, which is also very, very helpful, is that you can um, divide the Bible up into um, the Old Testament into two sections. You can, inv- you can divide the Old Testament up into the Old Testament as a whole and the poetics mm. so that you're reading all the way through the Old Testament all the time. Like, say, every day you're going to read one chapter of the Old Testament and you're going to be reading one chapter of the poetic books and one chapter of the New Testament. So if you want to do that plan, it may take you a little longer to get through the whole Bible. But the cool thing about that plan is you're always reading through uh, Job, Psalms, Proverbs, and Ecclesiastic, Ecclesiastes mm. and Song of Solomon, which are the poetic books. Mm. And those are really, um, or you could just do Psalms and Proverbs like some people do and just keep those on a steady on a steady rotation. I like to always pretty much be reading one of the poetic books. Do you, did you have any requirements or encouragement? Um, did you encourage your kids to use reading plans or anything like, anything like that? I just encouraged them, them to read through the Bible. I didn't yeah. give them, um, I, sometimes we would have a plan for the year. If they were doing Ambleside year and they had a 
they had a, a Bible plan, you know, I would assign that for their school, but that would be in addition to their, just their devotional reading. Yeah. Just getting up in the morning and reading a chapter. Yeah. And then Alex, I did put him, he was the only one that did a real like sturdy Bible curriculum, but he did the um, CAP, the Classical Academic Press Bible program. And, oh, yeah. and that was very, I thought that was a very good program. Now, I think he did it like fourth and fifth or maybe sixth grade and they have it like second or third or something. But um, I thought it was, I'm, I'm not a fan of workbooks for, for little, little children. So I liked it better at a, a little bit older age. Yeah. Do you, are you a loyalist to a particular translation or did you ask your kids to read? Did you care what translation? Yeah, honestly, th- we messed up big time there. Number one, I am, a, I love the King James version of the Bible and we did read that the most, but as we would change, like we were changing church the years, we might've, hmm. I know we started out in a church that used the NIV and then we moved to a church that was King James. Then we moved to a church that was new King James. Then we were in a church that was something else altogether. Yeah. And I, I wish that that is one of the beauties of the King James version. If you just stick with it. Um, I think every child should hear the King James version of the Bible at least once in their life. Hmm. But, um, but you know, some people really struggle with that. And I understand that, but, I do think it's, I think it's very beautiful, but I do what, read, the I, I read the ESV now just because it's what we use at our church. Yeah. Yeah. Um, is there anything else you want to cover on this topic? Yeah. I'm trying to think, I think, I think that, you know, that's basically my view on, on Bible reading. I, well, I will cover one more topic. One other thing that's really, really nice to do in a family is if the father and the mother can can read a little tiny bit of the Bible together each day. I'm not trying, it begins to sound like a burden, like first we read this Bible and then this Bible, and then somebody else has to read a Bible. So I hesitate to say this, but at the very least, if, if, if in a marriage, if a couple is praying together at, at the end of the day, and if you have children, that's a great time to pray for all your children. Then uh, for us, that's kind of a burden, like, oh my goodness, we got 30 people to pray for at the end of every day. But we do like to say the names of our children before the throne of God each day. And and we don't, we fail many, many times to do that. And one thing, my husband works a rotating shift, so he's not always home, but a lot of times he'll pray a quick prayer with me before he leaves for work. But I think that's been, there have been times when we haven't done that. And, and I think um, it really helped our, it helped our marriage when we had done that for years and years and years, and then we didn't do it. And then we went back to doing it. And um, it really was good for our marriage when we we started praying together again. So Mm. I'm really uh, encouraged um, couples to, you know, read a couple of verses together or, or at least pray together every day. Did you, how did you do that when you were most busy? Like, was there a specific time that you, did you do that before you went to bed? Did you do it in the morning? Did you just Usually we did it before we, yeah. Usually before we went to bed, we would, we would pray or if I'm, you know, like if, if I'm falling, I fall asleep at eight 30, and my husband will say, oh, I see you're getting tired. Let, let's pray right now before, you know, before, you know, I stay up and watch the Braves and you go, go yeah. uh, 
to sleep. So, um, so you just kind of have to make the time for it. But once again, you're not making an hour or two hours, you're making a couple minutes to stop and pray. Yeah, it does. It does. That's the thing that I feel like, I mean, I went to Bible college and even there, there's something like, I don't know, like no one ever says it's okay for you to just set set aside some time, make it part of your habit. And any time is better than no time. You don't have to, you don't have to go zero to 60. You can work your way up to it. If you, if that's not a part of your habit, you're part of your, if that habit is not a habit in your life already, it's hard to go from, you know, it's hard to go the op. What is the opposite of cold turkey? <laughs> yeah, and, and I, I'm yeah, and I was. I'm kind of. I can really relate to that Bible reading. I'm so fortunate because that has been a habit in pretty much my whole life. But I'm like that with exercise. And and what I will do is I, I decide I'm going to exercise, and I come up with this ridiculous plan to exercise when it would be just so much better for me to just maybe, you know, get in 8,000 steps a day at first rather than 8,000 steps, you know, 10,000 steps a day. And also I'm going to jog for 30 minutes every day or, you know, some dumb plan I come up with that never happens. Um, It would be, I, I, I know it would be better for me not to do that. And I'm sure many people are like that with Bible reading. I'm going to read my Bible. So now first thing I'm going to do is come up with a plan or don't come up with a plan and just pick your Bible up and start reading. Yeah. Yeah. I read for one minute and then in four years, yeah. the whole thing. That's right. <laughs> All right. Well, um, thank you. I'm sure people will have lots of questions and feedback. So if people want to post anything on the Mere Motherhood Facebook page, then um, we'd be you know, interested in hearing if anybody else has plans or habits that they, ways that they, you know, incorporate this habit into their children's lives. Um, I, I was, it has been on my mind because I've been thinking, you know, culture is starting to read now and I'm thinking mm-hmm. like they have their children's Bibles with the pictures and that tells the stories and stuff. So when would you move from something like that? So to reading the actual. Thing? As soon as they can read, um, I would say, they could read a couple verses in the morning. Like they could look at their children's Bible or they could just, you know, struggle through a verse or two uh, yeah, in their, yeah. in their Bible. Mm. If, if they can read it, if they can, I would just wait till they can actually read, but I wouldn't start them out on a chapter. Like, if right. they can, you know, they could just start reading a, one verse yeah, and that would be yeah. a good way to start a habit. That's true. Yeah. Get up, read one verse in the morning and knowing my kid, he'll probably be way too enthusiastic for that and be very into the idea of like marking his page and yeah. <laughs> figuring out where he stopped and all that kind of stuff. And he'll make yeah. a science out of it. That's all right. That He's going to take over the world someday and we just want to be friends with him <laughs> when he does. <laughs> yeah. Well, let's hope that we don't ruin him in the meantime then. Yeah. yeah um, I'm sure you won't. <laughs> well, we'll just pray. Um, yes. That's the lesson, right? There we go. Uh, Amen. Well, do you have any, any other final thoughts? No, I think that's it. I think I got that. That's done. I'm done with what's in my head. Okay. Well, thanks again for another episode. Um, for everyone who's been listening, if you want to send in a question, you can email Cindy at Cindy at Ordo-Amoris.com or me at David at Institute.com. And of course, you can post questions over on the Mere Motherhood page as well. Um, we have... What was I going to say? <laughs> I'll I don't know. This out. Um, <laughs> we should figure this on a separate note. We should... Yeah, I'll have to figure it out. <laughs>
<laughs> I'll have to figure it out. It's like a puzzle. Yeah, make um, sure you get this part out though. <laughs> yeah, I will. I will. Um, anyway, for for uh, for Cindy and for all of us here at Cersei, thanks so much for listening. Um, this has been another episode of The Mason Jar and we will be back next week with another one.